This week's topic is mission, living on mission. You, you may be surprised. You may think, you know, that life is really about getting to Friday. You might think it's like, thank God it's Friday, TGIF, you know, get enough Fridays to get a vacation, to spend more on it than you wanted to, to come back more tired than you were before you left. You, you may think that it's like add up enough Fridays and enough vacations to end up with maybe a party where they have a little cake and they give you a pin and say, thank you for your service, and then you hit retirement. I was reading recently on retirement, you know, retirement the first year, every day Saturday. Some of you, you know, you're like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I'm in that, it's awesome. But then did you know after the first year, statistics say that after you do every day is Saturday, you're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning again. You're looking for significance and mission. All of us are created by God, for God. We've all been given his mission. You may not be aware of it, but I want you to get ready because I'm passionate about Jesus's mission. In fact, it's not hard to find in the word of God, again, every gospel, but I thought we might just start, before I give you some more, that the Bible tells us in John. Did you know the book of John actually says of itself that this book was written so that you could see the stories and the truths here, that you could see that he really is Jesus. And the book of John, as Jesus is getting ready to ascend, right before he breathes on them to empower them, he says these words, peace be with you, as he says this, as the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you. So Jesus was not just haphazardly coming to the planet just to kind of make our lives better and, and just kind of address some social issues maybe to just kind of be there a crutch for us to lean on if we have a bad day. Jesus came with a clear mission from his father. The mission was to redeem a lost and dying world, to come into our lives to do what we couldn't do for ourselves to live the life that we could never live so that we could live the life that he had planned for us, not the life just here on earth, but that we are eternal beings and every human being, you, you gotta make sure you get this because it's not as popular in our world today, every human being will live forever, it's just a question whether you will live eternally with Jesus or eternally separated from him. There's a real heaven, there's a real hell, eternity's a long time and this is not a game. This is not just, oh, let's just have a little power hour to soothe our problems. We are focused on eternity. We are focused on and thinking about eternity when we think about Jesus coming, but here's where it gets a little challenging. You're like, well, I, okay, I'm okay with Jesus having a mission to redeem lost and broken humanity, but wait a minute, pastor, hold on just a minute. He said, like, I'm, his plan for now, he probably should have thought about a better plan. It's like, I'm kind of busy. My calendar's kind of full. I've got a lot going on. I'm just trying to keep my kids from going crazy. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to keep myself from going crazy. I'm trying to, trying to get my bills paid, pastor. Like, wait a minute, he sent me? Now, some of you have never heard that. You've never maybe even known that. And you're like kind of excited. You're like, wow, we get to be a part of Jesus's mission. You're kind of fired up a little bit. You're kind of like, wow, pastor, I'm in the game, man. This is kind of exciting. 
And some of you have heard it over and over and over and over, and you're hearing me when you say, okay, the pastor's gonna preach on mission. You're kinda like, wah, wah, wah. Because you think I'm saying that, hey, he's a shepherd, he's just trying to get more sheep. You think he's just trying to grow his church. There's already too many people. There's already too many people I can't get in. There's a parking problem. There's lines. There's ingress and egress. And we're meeting in a cafetorium in Hazlitt and in McKinney. And it's like, man, I got enough people to deal with in my life. Why do we need more sheep? Well, I am a shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. So I love the sheep. Every sheep. I love the sheep. In fact, the last couple of years, all the sheep got out of the pen. You're like, man, where'd the sheep go? They left the pen. Then y'all came back to the pen, you had rabies. You came back, you're like, whoa, whoa, brother, hold on just a minute, hey, it's me, your shepherd, you know, your pastor, hey, hey. You think it's just, oh, pastors preach on mission because they're just trying to get more people and then what I really realize is, and the truth is really it's just, Jesus cares about the one that's outside of his family. It's really about the one sheep, and it's kind of like all these sheep, and then, but if it's your sheep, that's why Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. If it's your kid, or if it's your spouse, or your daddy, or your grandfather, then you care about the sheep. It's just hard for us to care about all the sheep the way Jesus cares about every single sheep. And so we a lot of times hear that and maybe you're hearing it and you're like, okay, I think you're talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about even if God takes you from wherever you are, McKinney, Hazlitt, Keller, wherever he takes you, if he drops you in sub-Sahara Africa, you should be on mission. Wherever you go, why? Because as the Father has sent him, he sent you. He sent you and given you a mission. Now I wanna spend the majority of our time talking about what I really think a lot of people think, and that is, okay, wait a minute, I know, okay, there's a mission, I know the gospels tell me that I'm supposed to be on mission, I know I'm part of the mission, I'm gonna read you some verses in a minute to show you that we can't miss it from scripture. You can't read the B-I-B-L-E and not know that you are on mission. It's like, okay, I know it, but what I know that you feel is you're like, I'm supposed to be on mission, but I don't feel like I'm doing very good at it. I don't feel like I'm really gifted at that. I don't really know if I've got the ability to do that. See, I got a lot of problems, Pastor, and I got a lot of things I'm working through right now, and I'm not really wired that way, and so what happens is you could come to a message on mission and leave going, I mean, I feel like a failure at this, and man, that was really encouraging. It's like, let's go to church and talk about all the stuff I'm bad at. And then I leave and feel kind of condemned because I'm supposed to be on mission, but no one's ever taught me how to live on mission, so I kind of feel like I'm failing at it. And, and you do what is happening in our workforce today because it feels like a lot more pressure or a lot more work or a lot of complications. We had the great resignation. But now I've heard and seen in four or five different things recently and talking to business owners and managers, we don't just have the great resignation, we now have what's called quiet quitting. Quiet quitting is where, man, I've got bills to pay. I can't, I can't not receive a check from this place, but I don't have any alignment with what they're trying to produce, so I'm not necessarily gonna check out of this, but I'm gonna stay, but in my heart I know, man, I don't know, I just kinda quiet quit. Did you know over years of pastoring, I've realized in this area, it's so clear 
but yet for many people, they never are able to grab a hold of it. So what they do is we come, we listen to the messages, we don't wanna give up Jesus, and we definitely know we need his help, but when it comes to mission, we just sort of quiet quit and say, well, we're gonna leave that to the bald guy. We're gonna leave that to the paid people. We're gonna leave that to somebody else because I don't know if I can do all of that, so I'm kind of quiet quitting. When you get in the word of God, it's impossible to not see the mission. You just see it on every page, the heart of the gospels, the, the, the letters in the New Testament. And what we can do is read that and think, well, that's not me, because I'm just not that focused of a person. I'm not that driven of a person. And I would say everybody, whether online or any campus, I want to push against that a little bit. Because whether you're introverted or extroverted, if you get around something that you're into, you get on mission. It doesn't matter what your personality is. My wife's a little different than me. She's a little bit more laid back than me. I'm a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more extroverted, a little bit more, hey, more people is better. I'm a little bit that way, but when she gets on mission, she's on mission. Recently, the doctor told her, you're allergic to some foods. So she started at my house an elimination diet. She's on mission. It's been real bad for me because I'm on an inclusion diet. I'm on, what do we get to include in our diet? And then when your wife gets on an elimination diet, you find yourself saying this, what are we gonna eat tonight? And those dreaded words, you're on your own. <laughs> Praise God, we eliminated it all. Can we get back to what do we include in our diet? Lanny Kate, my youngest, she's on mission. She wants an iPhone, and she's driving me nuts. She's subtle, she's aggressive, she's straight up sometimes. Dad, when can I get a phone? Sometimes she's subtle. Dad, you know, if you got me a phone, I wouldn't have to use yours, Dad. And so she's using every sales technique that she can possibly get to get that iPhone. At every moment, she's dropping hints. At every moment, she's focusing. She's trying to get that iPhone. I told her the other day, I said, look, honey, look, you'll never be disconnected. Once you get an iPhone, you'll never be disconnected from technology. You don't want to do this. She looked at me and said, yes, I do. I want one. I'm like, that's not working. Every human being on the planet is missional. The question's not, are we missional? The question is, what are we on mission for? What are we focused on? And the Bible is very clear. It gives us, again, every gospel, every, every time you turn in the New Testament, we see that Jesus was clear on the what. When you say, what's Jesus into? What's he focused on? Jesus said in Luke 19, I came. I came, wait a minute, Jesus, drum roll. Brrr. Tell us, Jesus, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. I came to give you superfluous stuff to fight with people on Facebook about in Christianity. Wait, Jesus. I came to set up a political superpower so that you would never have another problem. Whoa, Jesus. I came. Brrr. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus, you didn't make it confusing to us. Jesus, you clarified. 
You came to seek and save that which is lost. Well, that's good for you, Jesus. I'm glad you came to seek and save that which is lost. But the apostle Paul tells us how he wants to do it and the who that he's going to do it through. He said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Why do we tell stories of people here at Milestone Church. Why do we make you the hero? Because in my mind, you are a hero. And by the way, you are great at this. You are, uh, it's an honor to be your pastor, the way you love people, the way you're intentional. I heard it this week from a guy, I was doing a wedding, was at the wedding, went to the reception, the guy sat beside me. I never really talked to him that much. He'd come to Milestone, and he said, you know what I love about Milestone? He didn't wanna talk about some deep theological truth. He said that I came and had an experience and the people were genuine and they showed me love and I brought my friend and then my friend had the same experience. Did you know just having the ministry of reconciliation, authenticity, love, serving others is a powerful thing. It's deeply spiritual. So when I tell you this, you are on mission as we are as a church, but I believe there's some of you here right now listening to me that God wants to pull you to a greater degree into that mission. We've all been given. It's not about the paid professionals. It's not about the guy up there wearing polyester. It's not that. It's all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Look at this. We are Christ ambassadors. You are an ambassador. As through God, he were making his appeal through us, making his appeal through us. Matthew 28, Jesus gives what's called the great commission. It's the great cooperative mission, that it's Jesus's mission, but before he went to heaven, he said, look, I want you to have this mission, and you're gonna cooperate with me in this mission, and I want you to know I have the authority of heaven and earth to call you into the mission. I have the authority to say you're on mission. And because all authority has been given to me, my desire for you is that you would go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why, why is this mission something that we grab? Because we've been commissioned by Jesus himself and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. We had a lady named Sherry. She hadn't been in church in 54 years. I met her not too long ago. She came to the service. She said, I didn't expect to feel love, but I, I found people that were genuine, people that loved me. She said, I encountered Christ in that very service. She came out, I shook her hand. She said, I gave my life to Jesus. She said, I'm real nervous about getting water baptized. She said, hey, I got some different issues and things, and can you make it possible for me to get water baptized? And this weekend, Pastor Mike Banus, part of our pastoral care team, baptized her in a swimming pool. I think we have a clip here. Sherry, let me ask you a question. Are you committed to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life? I absolutely am. Well, based upon your confession, I want to baptize you now in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you haven't been in church in 54 years and you give your life to Christ, that's a miracle that we're witnessing right before our very eyes. You think that's a little crazy. We're in a swimming pool. What if someone walked by? What are these people doing? We're just obeying what Jesus said to do. 
We're living out Jesus's mission when we do that. And I love this in Acts 1. I, I am going through the book of Acts with my daughter, Lauren Elizabeth. I have two out of the house, two in the house. Lainey Kate wants an iPhone. Lauren and I, her senior year, we're going through the book of Acts. And what I love is the Bible is living and active. And man, I, I was just, as we were reading Acts chapter 1, this just struck me. Jesus has his disciples there getting ready for him to send them and get started with birthing this whole movement that is Christianity and birthing of the church. And uh, he says, you need to wait for some power. You need some power to do this. I think it would be pretty good to be in Jesus' small group. I think you got pretty good training if you got to be in his small group. But he says, look, you still need power. You still need the power of the Holy Spirit to live this out. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. Can you imagine being there that day? And he ascends into heaven. And the Bible says that while he ascends into heaven, they're, they're there looking intently into the sky. Such a great picture of us. Jesus commissions them. Jesus sends them. Jesus says, wait for power. They're gonna go to the upper room. And they're sitting there going, where'd he go? Looking in the sky. I just have to picture Jesus getting up in heaven with God the Father and being like, we covered this. Why are you looking in the sky? Okay, I'll send them a couple of angelic people down there to tell them that you need to get back on mission. It's what happens to Christians today. We're busy looking in the sky. You say, is it the end times? A hundred percent. It's been the end time since he ascended into heaven. It's the, every person in the early church believed he could come back at any moment. So look, you can spend your time worried about what date and when and how and all of that. If you want to just buy all those books and, and spend time looking in the sky, go ahead. But what I hear Jesus saying is what he said right here. Why are you looking up here? Why don't you start looking at your neighbor? Why don't you start focusing on your neighbor? Well, we've gone through a rough time. Must be the end times. Well, if you're focused on that, then you've probably led seven people to Christ this week. Because if you really believe that, what I find though is we get busy looking in the sky and we get away from the actual commission so many times and we end up with a group of Christians laying hands on each other till we're bald. And Jesus is saying, quit looking up here. I'll be coming back just like I came. Look at your neighbor. Get on mission. I know I, I went to meddling. I did. I'm sorry. I, I went to meddling at that point. You're like, Pastor, how could I really win at what you're saying? When I was a young pastor, I thought maybe, you know, you could just hit a home run every Sunday. And then everybody listening to me at any campus or online, you're like, okay, I got you, Pastor. We get distracted. We're scared. I, I got you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. But I know sometimes you can just hit a single a guy at Saturday night church at the Keller campus told me, he said, Pastor, you hit a double. I'm like, thank you, man, appreciate it. Uh, but I don't know if it's a single, a double, or a triple, but I'll tell you this, here's what I'm really trying to do. If you left what I'm saying to you with just a little more intentionality, just a little more intentionality, if you just were to say, Lord, I wanna be a little more intentional and not so distracted. I'd like to be a little more intentional, and Lord, I'd like to be a little more aware, because I know this, you'll be more fulfilled. There's a, com there's a battle in our souls that is for fulfillment, but the reality is comfort is constantly pushing it. So if I was a little more aware, 
you would go to your kid's ball game a little born different. You'd just go, you'd go to, you'd take them to school a little different. You'd go to work a little different. You'd, you'd go into your world just a little more intentional and a little more, God, I'm available to you today. I'm available today. I'm a little more aware, not just, I'm busy getting to my, I'm getting to my deal, I'm getting to this next thing, but just, Lord, I'm a little more intentional. I'm a little more aware. I'm a little more available to you. You'd be amazed at what would happen. It's really the life that you're looking for because I wanna tell you, there'll never be a greater, more exciting thing in your life than when you sense the joy, the joy that's in heaven, the celebration in heaven, when you have some participation in what God is focused on right now, what Jesus is doing, when you participate at some level, there's a significance. When you have a friend who joins you in church and you watch them respond to the gospel, when you bring someone to your small group, when you serve that person when they're hurting, when it opens a door to their heart, just a little more intentional, just a little more aware of what he's doing, just a little more available then you start to cooperate with these verses that you read in scripture. Now I understand that all of us are like, okay, I got you, pastor, I wanna be more missional, I wanna do that, let's, let's think about it together. Because I think there's three areas we need to think about to be a little more intentional, a little more aware, a little more available. First of all, we have to talk about our motivation. Because we do what we're motivated towards. So God wants us, look, again, it's not just the what. The what won't cause you to sacrifice, but the why. Why, why would I do this? It's a cooperation between me and God himself. It's, it's, it's a fulfillment, it's a, it's a fulfillment of what Jesus is doing. It's a partnership with him. Heaven is real, hell is real. I wanna partner with you, God. I'm seeking first your kingdom. If I'll seek your kingdom, then you add the other things to my life. And so there's this motivation that starts to stir on the inside of you, and that's what happens when we become biblical followers of Christ. When we start reading our Bible and participating in what we read, when we see ourselves as a disciple of Jesus, not those disciples who were looking up, but us who are looking up and he needs to say, hey, look at your neighbor. When you start that process in any area of scripture, you start to tie into something that's very, very, very powerful. I, I've experienced it in my life, not as a pastor, but just as a follower. I remember I was, a, I was in the seventh grade and in my church, you know, again, I, I grew up in a church where we, we talked about this, but not the same way I'm talking about it a little bit. We talked all the time about heaven and hell. And it was just like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna fires of hell. You know, it just, yeah. You know, we're gonna load up the church vans. We're gonna get on the street corner, preach with the megaphone. You know, we gotta get some tracks, pass them out. We gotta show up at somebody's house. You know, they're eating a chicken wing. You know, you gotta knock on the door. If you died tonight, would you go to hell? They're like, I'll get back to you on that one. So I grew up with a lot more awareness of this. In the last 20 years, it's almost as if in church we've lost the reality of heaven and hell. We think we've built heaven in Dallas-Fort Worth. We lose sight of the fact that we will die. We lose sight of it. So there's a little bit of that that's not all bad. I don't know that our tactics were always the best, but I left church going, you know what, it's heaven or hell for my friend down the street. And he came up to my house on his BMX bicycle, and I had my BMX bicycle. I had a pad on mine, and we, you know, there, there, I mean, that's what we spent our time doing you know, 
We didn't, our parents didn't feel like it was their job to entertain us. We'd get home from school, be like, I'm bored. Go play with a stick and ride your bike. All right, we'll call you when it gets dinner time. All right. So anyway, we just take off on our bikes. We could be in, you know, Massachusetts at some point. My parent never, your parents never, how did we survive our childhood? But anyway, they didn't even know where we were, you know? It's like, just when I whistle, if you're in three states over, come home. It doesn't matter what you're doing. But anyway, there we were on our BMX bicycles, and I, I'll never forget, I was scared to death. This is my little bike riding buddy. And I began to share with him the message of the gospel and just talk, and the best I could as a seventh grader. And he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I, I tell you, you say, Jeff, you were seventh grade, but did, did you know the same fear never goes away even to this day? Like I could be rejected, this could mess up my bike riding buddy's whole deal, like they could think I'm crazy, that same fear, but he gave his life to Christ and in college I found out he passed away and, and did you know, I thought back to that moment where what if he didn't know Jesus? And then not too long ago, you look at what we're able to do missionally as a church that I'm so proud of you, thousands of you on Serve Day, living on mission, sharing with our community, helping our community, you say, well, where did all of that start? You, you always underestimate one person being missional, how it impacts as we together live missionally, how it has a multiplied impact missionally. So Stacy Hatcher, who leads our missions department, she got with a missional person who took her on a mission trip to which she got impacted missionally. She came back, began to say, hey, Lord, what are you calling me to do? And we started carpooling our kids together. God was already working in her on this whole mission thing. And we started carpooling our kids, my family and her family. And Stacy was the most organized carpool person that I'd ever met. It was phenomenal. My kids are gonna kill me for showing you the picture of them in the carpool. But anyway, she was, she was amazing at it, right? So she had it all organized and man, laid out and it was perfect. And so we started carpooling our kids. And then her husband, I met Alex, and Alex is a, a emergency room medicine doctor at Baylor Grapevine, and I wanna tell you this, I'm talking about motivation, not because I'm a pastor. It was one of those moments when I look back where God gave me a supernatural burden for Alex. My wife will tell you, I don't know, even remember a time where this has happened, where at night we would be like praying and, I'd be, and she'd be like, what's wrong with you? And I'd just start crying. I was just burdened for him like just burdened for his salvation. Now he had been in church. And, and so there's sometimes people, that's why you don't wanna just have a church where people go to church, but we are the church and we're family because there's a certain segment of people who in church God softens their heart, but they may not totally commit to Christ just by what happens at the church. And Alex was one of those guys and I got burdened for him and we had coffee and and then he's a scientist and he's a doctor, so he had all these questions, you know, and he wanted to talk about the dinosaurs and he wanted to talk about if you had powdered water, what would you add? And can God make a rock too big for him to pick up? And so we talked through these things and we just kind of shared. And did you know I found out something? That it's not about your apologetics training. It's not about science and creation. At the end of the day, Alex's biggest fear was really, if I commit to this Jesus, can I live up to the promise? And I found that's where it is, even if there's intellectual questions, even if there's barriers, it's usually pain in someone's past, and it's usually their fear of, can I do what I'm saying? And so I just had to set him free. The very essence of the gospel is, Jesus didn't say, when you help me finish it. He said, I finished it. 
So you can't do it. You just receive me and I'll do the work of moving and helping you grow and develop. And so, but here's what I'm getting at. The motivation has to be strong enough to take the risk, to invite your neighbor to church, to bring your friend, to start that small group. Amber, that was crazy. She, she's just, she's like, wow, this is a crazy thought. The, the motivation and the burden has to be greater than the fear. It's not about what you know. It's not about who knows the most. It's not about being a Bible driller. It is conquering that fear. And so I had to go there with Alex. And I remember it was like, man, this is gonna be, this could be bad. Like this could blow up my carpool plan. This could really mess everything up. And did you know what happened is on, before I was gonna go there with him, on a Saturday I was getting ready to go and preach. His father was in the nursing home and the Holy Spirit quickened me, go pray for his dad. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to get ready for church. I'm trying to prepare for my message. I don't have time to go, you know, it, I don't know if you've ever battled your inconvenience. It's like I have a plan. On Saturdays, I have a plan. I get a Subway sandwich. I get in my reading chair. I eat my Subway sandwich. I plan for my message. I tell my kids, leave me alone. I don't go pray for people during that time. It's my sacred hour. The man of God has got to get the word of God to deliver it. And the Holy Spirit said, go pray for him. Did you know I went and prayed for his dad and he ended up passing away the next day and the impact on Alex was, man, I don't wanna do life alone. These Christian people, man, wow, this is amazing. And then a bunch of people from the church took barbecue to his house. And you know what softened his heart because it's the love of God and the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. What softened his heart was he saw this goodness coming out of not just me, but all of us together. And that's the power of not just a missional person, but a missional church where the love of God is shown to someone. But I still had to go there. I said, Alex, this could ruin our relationship. I'm coming to your house. And you and I, we're gonna talk about this moment with Jesus. And I'll never forget it. We got to his house over off of Bear Creek here in Keller. And we went there. And that night, I guess hell was mad because there came the most violent spring storm where the cold air was meeting the hot air and it was like gonna hell and trees were whipping and the sirens went off. And I'm like, man, I gotta pray with Alex and we gotta, now we gotta get in the utility room. So we're all huddled up around the kitty litter. Alex, ah. He's like, man, it's bad out there. We could die. I'm like, yeah, you could die. You better receive Jesus, you know, right now. <laughs> this storm could get you. And I tell that it's humorous, but isn't it amazing how when we're just available, when we're willing to overcome our fears, it's not about how much we know. It's like God just works and does stuff. I had a chance to baptize Alex. Now, he and his family, missions, his wife now, our missions director, and, and, and it's just, it's amazing. And here's what I'm trying to communicate to you. One person just taking a step into mission, you underestimate the impact on so many lives by just being willing, available, aware, intentional. A second thing we gotta talk about is your perception of this. 
We, we have the wrong perspe- perspective looking at this. We think I gotta be this loud, extroverted person. I've gotta have all of these, these, these different things that I know and information. Look at some of the questions I think we have. Do I know enough about the Bible? What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Here, here I wanna set you free. If someone asks you a question you don't know the answer to, you ready? Drum roll. I don't know because they don't always even care how much you know. They wanna know how much you care. I'm not that kind of person. What if I don't have that gift? What if it goes bad? What if it hurts the relationship? And here's a question I developed years ago, studying impact and missional living. I have a master's degree in missiology. I've done research in a doctoral program. Churches all around struggling with what we know that the average Christian wants is to come, hear a message, be encouraged, receive their kids to learn Bible verses. And 85% will spend their life in church listening to messages, reading out of this very book, and 85% will never see themselves a part of the mission and actually participate in that moment that I had with Alex. And since I was a young pastor, I've declared war on that statistic. Because I came up with this question, who's the real evangelist? Is it the person leading the crusade? Is it the person that preaches that? No, we celebrate here the real evangelist. I saw a real evangelist. He has no podcast. He has no online following. He has no influencing. He is not an influencer. He is not a Christian influencer. He's written no books. He's preached no messages, but he was at our staff gathering this week. And at our staff gathering where we try to help our staff stay healthy so they can serve you, we spent a few days together building our staff. And I was walking around and as I usually do at our staff is I like to hear from them and and we bring our college students to it. And so I walked kind of right over here at our Keller campus and I saw this young man sitting there. I said, what's your name, young man? He said, my name is Tanner. I'm a first year student at Milestone College. I said, awesome. Do you feel called to ministry? He said, I don't know. I said, well, I'm gonna lay hands on you right now. You're in the ministry. He said, okay, praise God. Anyway, so I... And so he took the microphone, a little intimidating, you know, there's a bald bishop and all these staff people, and he kind of, you know, I'm like, hold it up to your mouth, you're in the ministry now, talk, talk, talk loud. He said, and so I said, what's God been doing in your life? And he proceeded to tell me this story, I want you to see it, I want you to think about who's the real evangelist, watch this. I gave my life to Jesus in the uh, fall of 2019 at Fall Retreat, and just had a radical encounter with Jesus, and gave my life to him. For me, my family was always like the Christians that like only went to church during Easter and Christmas. Um, I knew I had Jesus in my heart, but uh, knowing that they didn't just really like tore me apart because I wanted I wanted them to know Jesus how I knew him. Like knowing my dad's you know background and just he's he's had some struggles in life and. I just really wanted him to know Jesus, but actually know him and have a relationship with him. I love my family, and so I just wanted to display what I had like known, just trying to be the best example of, you know, what it means to follow Jesus, you know. I knew my life was a lot better with Christ. I wanted my brothers to, you know, really know him how I knew him. Well, my brother started going to the tr- retreats when, you know, they were in seventh grade. Um, I mean, they were going with me. Uh, that's that's just kind of how they saw it. They were going with their older brother to bots. They were excited about that. Actually seeing them go to bots um, and then end up getting saved at one um, was very exciting for me. And my dad, he was excited for them and then talked to Pastor Jesse about it. You know, 
know, what it meant to be baptized and stuff like that. On my front porch, uh, my dad got saved and then not, but like less than a week later, I think it was, uh, all three of them got baptized. Seeing them get baptized, it was just so incredible. I couldn't stop crying. Um, I was overwhelmed with joy and just emotions, just seeing them get baptized. Uh, just the realization that God used me in my place uh, to reach my family was just incredible. So that's the real evangelist, Tanner. Tanner is the real evangelist. I just met him this week. I feel honored to know him because he's one of the heroes of Christianity and we didn't even know it because he got a burden, because he cared, because he started praying and reaching out and then we partnered together as a church with Tanner and we're able to see God do amazing things in his family. You're like, okay, I got you, Jeff. I need to think about it different. What do I actually do? Well, I would say that we could go into a in-depth training for how you could have better techniques, and yet I don't wanna necessarily talk to someone where you're like, hey, I feel like I have some basic equipping, I've just basically been pretty cold, and, and what Jesus wants to do is, is, is just really warm your heart up today. Get you a little more intentional, a little more aware. And it's not necessarily about training, it's just about willingness. But I do believe some of you are like, well, I'm a long way from that, Pastor. Like, how could I just get started? Well, let me talk to you just a minute about your action and, and, and how God does this. And, and that is that we work together in this. We do it together. This is the power of his church. I love Ephesians 4.16 where it says that we can see the church become a greater picture of Christ, this mature body of him. Jesus is not walking around the earth but he is through his body displaying what he looks like. And so if you've never thought about this, you know, in today's individual world, yes, we have a personal relationship with Christ, but it's not private and it's not singular. You are not the body. We are the body. So when we cooperate with the body and we use our gifts within the body, then the body becomes a greater, more, uh, more full picture of Christ and people see it. And you're like, well, how would that happen, Jeff? Because that would be a good thing, that there's more love, that there's a greater demonstration and picture of Jesus. Well, well, this says that when we get the body joined and held together, why do we have the growth track? Why do we tell you to go to 201? Why do we tell you to get connected? Why do we want you to get started in your faith? Why do you wanna serve? Why do you wanna use your gifts? Why? Because the body grows and it builds itself up in love. How? As each part does its work. So, so you're like, I just wanna get started, pastor. Well, here's a good way to get started. Use your gift. Do you know your gift? Because when you're using your gift, then you, you, you're not really even working. It's like, you're just like, man, this is a joy. So if it's serving, don't ever underestimate the way you serve people. I go to 101, we don't wanna lose this. The way you love people, the way you're authentic, where you're not just, well, my pastor told me to stand at this door and shake her hand, but I don't really even like people. <laughs> How you doing today? I'm blessed of God and highly favored. Don't do that. Just authentic, man, how can I help you from a sincere heart? It's powerful. 
And we're adding seats here at Keller coming this spring. We're gonna have a thousand more seats. You see the construction going on. I'm coming to the Hazlitt campus this week, this weekend. I'm coming to talk to you about their expansion. We have 10 acres. We're opening up space to take care of people. But always in the history of Milestone, it's been people who were willing to serve and love people they've never met. So when you offer your gift, when you serve, when you have hospitality for someone, when you give, I know most people, you're frustrated by your job when you begin to tie the pieces together that God's gifted me in the area of resources, and then when you give, here's what that means. On Teacher Appreciation Day, we serve 600 and something teachers. And on Saturday, when I was doing my run-through, I thought, let's not just give them the prayer card, which is amazing. Let's not just give them a gift card, which is amazing. Let's not just pray over them. I thought, well, let's find out if they have some needs we as a church can meet. We had a lady at a Title I school who came here for the first time. She was amazed that she went to a church that saw her, that wanted to pray for her, that gave her a gift card, that cared about what she was doing in the community because I see those teachers as on mission every single day to interact with the people that we love the most, our kids. And so we pray over them and we encourage them. But here's how we're able to be over the top because we're doing it together. I couldn't do this without you. I thought, well, let's see if they have any needs and let's just meet them. So I just did it. I didn't call anybody, ask anybody, because I'm the pastor, so I just did it. So I just stood up there, and JP was down there going, oh my gosh, what's he doing? And I just said, if you have a need, if you have a need, let's just meet your need. Now, you can't get a trip to the Bahamas or redecorate your classroom, but if you have a need, and this lady had a need, they needed a microwave and needed this and this, it was like $1,700. But here's what I love about you. We manage our resources, we're givers. We know the resources that come from God. So I'm free as a pastor to stand up and say, if you have a need. So we met her needs at her school. Do you think she's fired up to be on mission? And the only reason, we don't have to take a special offering because we have people using their gifts. That's the power of the church. That's the power of us doing it together. So I would say low, low, low hanging fruit. I don't believe this is the end all be all. I don't believe that it has to be where you stop. But if you were to say, here's just one thing you could do. Sometimes the most evangelistic thing you can do is just invite your friend to church or to your small group or get them around some of your friends. You're like, well, I'm not connected, pastor. Well, get connected. Get connected, get engaged, find some relationships. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just say, hey, come with me. I wanna show you what God's doing. It could be a powerful thing. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet with me. There's somebody maybe here who you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, and Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. I want everyone just to bow their heads for just a moment. You say, Jeff, that's me. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're at Hazlitt. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You're created for him, you're created by him, his whole purpose. You're like, I've gotta clean myself up to come to Jesus. And Jesus said, you could never clean yourself up enough to come to me. I came for you. And so you can just say, Jesus, here I am. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Let us start helping you. Maybe come to 101 to what we call our grow track. Come forward at the end of the service. If you said, Jesus, in your heart, you just say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. Come into my life. But second of all, Lord, I wanna pray for every person under the sound of my voice. That maybe, Lord, we need today in our busy, consumed, self-focused world to be a little more intentional, a little more aware, a little more available. Lord, we say to you today, thank you. 
Because you loved us and because you came for us is the only reason we would love anyone else. And Lord, we're your hands and your feet. We're your ambassadors. We have the ministry of reconciliation. The Father sent you, Jesus, and Jesus, you sent us. And so Lord, right now, just even in the spirit, not just even with words, I pray every person listening to me would receive the fact that you have sent us. Lord, we go different this week. We go different this next month. We go different into wherever it is we go. We go as your representative and we're willing and we're available in Jesus' name.